0: Welcome to this week's Parsha Share. This week is Parsha Shmos. Today's share is sponsored by Shawnee and Richard Fine. Dear friends, in memory of Shawnee's father, Rabbi Joseph Wagner, Rabbi Yosef Chaim ben Eliyahu Zichronia de whose yard site is on the 22nd of Teves. I know that uh, Shawnee is a regular listener, I think Richard as well actually, and uh, I do hope she enjoys this share, As she always tells me, she always Gives me a compliment in Shul on Shabbos uh, to tell me that she's heard the Sheer and what she thinks of it and her critiques. I look forward to hearing this week's critique and I'm delighted that you have sponsored this week's Sheer. We're going to focus on a very early posuk in Parash Schmois. And we're going to use this week a new favorite sefer of mine. You can see here the set which is on my desk, uh, re- recently purchased. It's uh, Dorosh Mordchai from Rav Modcha Druck. Rav Druck was a Magid Meishorim, in fact they called him the Magid Meshorim of Yerushalayim he didn't only speak in Jerusalem, Rav Modcha Druck. he died 10, 12, 15 years ago uh, at a young age, he was in his 60s and he was uh, a Magid, you know, a, a, just a speaker, that was his job, he didn't have a shul or anything, although he would speak regularly at Zichar Moshe um, you would also see him at the Koysel in the morning, at the Kotel uh, where he would daven very early in the morning, and then he went on a round of shiurim and Droshus that he gave all around Jerusalem and elsewhere in Eretz Israel. who was a fabulous speaker, and his children have collected in this five-volume set, collected all his Droshus. They make very clear at the beginning that much of what he says is not original to him, at least in the sense that he got it from other sources. He's a secondary source, but the presentation of the material is beautiful, and the way he puts together ideas is fabulous. Darash Mordcha, I highly recommend it. And uh, we're going to focus on Darash Mardcha today for the She'er. So the Posik says the right at the beginning of Shmois and um, remember that we've ended uh, Sefer Berachus. Berachus ends on this high note where Yosef is the Joseph is the head, the viceroy of the land of Egypt. So although in title, Pharaoh was the person who was in charge of Egypt, the person who actually ran the country, in uh, in every aspect of uh, of its function, uh, was Joseph. Joseph, the son of Yaakov Avinu, one of the twelve Shvatim, an incredible person, as we've seen over the past few weeks when we've been hearing about him, quite an extraordinary individual. So the first thing that we learn after Yosef has died at the beginning of the book of Shemois, which is the foundation narrative source book for the Jewish people. It's where we get all the information about who we are, what we are, what we should be doing, and uh, the history of how we got to where we are today. So the, the foundation book of the Torah really is Sefer Shemois, And we're going to begin Sefer Shemois with the story of the, uh, or at least the beginning of the story of the Exodus. It's um, known as the, although we call it Shemois, it's known as the book of Exodus. Uh, And the Exodus story begins with the um, enslavement of the Jewish people. But how did the Jewish people, how did the Israelites become enslaved? if joseph was this senior man if he was considered the viceroy of egypt the leader of the entire country the most powerful man in the known world that's what he was how is it possible that so soon after he died that the jewish people the israelites his brethren his family the tribes of the jewish people were enslaved and became this downtrodden nation in the land of egypt so the pasuk, the key. The Pasuk in the narrative is as follows, Melech al A new king was set over Egypt, yoda as Yosef, and he didn't know Joseph. And this is the key piece of the, of the story. It, 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 everything hinges, everything pivots on this sentence. It would not have been possible without this Pasuk, for the Jewish people to have been enslaved, Melech a new king was appointed over Egypt. Asher Yodas Yosef, he didn't know Joseph. Says the martin he quotes it. Uh, of course, it's Chazal. He's not quoting. He's not making this up. It's a very famous Chazal. It's a Gemara in Saita, and Gemara in Saita talks in great detail. It takes a lot of these midrashim. Uh, um, and puts them together beautifully, and this is in Soitah Daph Yudalaf Amidalaf Izeb Ha'chazal Vayokom Melechadosh Rav Classic dispute between the two great rabbis of Bovel, Rav and Shmuel Rav and Shmuel and they are, by the way, the founding fathers of the Babylonian Jewish community Rav and Shmuel were Talmidim of Rabbi Yehuda and they were elder contemporaries of Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Yochanan, of course, remained in Eretz Yisrael Rav and Shmuel um, went over to Bovel and they created um, the foundation for what would become the most prominent Jewish community of the world the community of Bovel, which eventually produced the Babylonian Talmud the Mishnah was written by Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi, that was written in Eretz Yisrael Gemara was produced, there was a Gemara produced in Eretz we call it the Yerushalmi uh, well it wasn't written in Yerushalayim, but it's called the Yerushalmi and then we have the Talmud Bavli, and that's the foundation of all halokha and uh, the foundation of Judaism as we know it today is, is the Gemara um, which was written in Bavel and the first, the founding fathers of that whole system of Jewish law were Rav and Shmuel. And they very often argued, and we don't always know whose opinion is whom, we just know that there, there was a debate, a dispute about a certain topic, and Rav said one thing and Shmuel said another. So here we have Rav and Shmuel, Chad Omar. one of them said about this posuk, by Yochum Melech Chodash Chad Omar, Chodosh Mamish, it was a new king, it was a new pharaoh, the old pharaoh died, the friend of Joseph uh, the pharaoh who was friendly with joseph and who had appointed him to be the master of egypt the viceroy he had died and there was a new a new king but the other we don't know which one it is says that this same pharaoh as it were became a new person and everything he did everything he decreed was totally now that joseph was gone it is a clean slate i can do whatever i like i don't have to Take note of the fact that Joseph was the person who produced the successful economy of Egypt. I am now the man who's going to make the decisions. I don't care what Joseph did or what Joseph said, and therefore anybody connected to Joseph is no longer safe in my country. So it's not a new king, it's a new attitude so why do they have a difference of opinion because the posuk is ambiguous one says well it actually says there's a new king who's now presiding over egypt so the one who says no no it's not a new king uh, literally new king it's a king who behaves in a new fashion with a new attitude why why would he say that because it doesn't say Vayomos melech mitrayim, vayokom melech and it says vayokom melech so it's ambiguous and because of the ambiguity he believes whoever the opinion is whether it's rab or shmuel that it's not a new king but a king who's behaving in a new fashion in which case how is it possible if it's the same king as was alive during the time of Joseph's uh, viceroy uh, uh, tenure, how is it possible that the Possot can say, Yoda that he didn't know Yosef? Of course he knew who Joseph was. So what does Asher le es Yosef mean? It says the Gomorrah, domi command He w- he behaved in a way as if he didn't know him. Commander lo yodale klal, as if he didn't know him at all. So now the Dorish Motcha of Motcha Druk is going to focus on this. Yesh Ledaktek beloshna Gemara, lo Yoda Lei Klal. What does the Gemara actually mean when it says lo Yoda Lei Klal? He didn't know him at all. Klal means at all. Ma Kavona Stam lo Yodale. What does it mean? He didn't know him. What does that mean? What is the Gemara trying to convey? Ma le lo Yodale Klal. What's the difference? When it if it would have said Asha Yodale, what is it add by saying La Yodale Nira says Ravmod Khaduk, it would appear Shazal Boym the Lamdenu es tfunois hanefish. You know, Chazal didn't just comment on historical narrative; they interpreted historical narrative. They want to convey an important lesson, a lesson, a message. Now let's let's think about it. If you have no connection to somebody, you have no feeling that you owe them anything, or that you that uh, that somehow that you're you're going to be involved in their life. You've got no connection to them, right? You you don't know them. You've got no connection to them, and therefore you have no responsibility for them or towards them. You don't feel any sense of responsibility to that person. And therefore you don't get emotional about it. You're totally objective. You don't know about it. You don't know the person. It's not important. Okay. So if you don't know somebody but you hear so somehow somebody tells you third-hand information that they're not doing well you shrug your shoulders I'm sure everybody who reads a newspaper knows the news we'll hear news about somebody somewhere who's been affected by a flood or a fire or you know a, a, a crash or something that's happened it's, I mean terrible you flick over the page you look at the next page it's I mean is it nice it's not really very nice but it is what it is that's bad Maybe it's not the nicest uh, part of human nature, but there you have it. But what about somebody who actually does know another person and hears that they're doing badly or hears that something terrible has happened to them and makes every effort to blank that person out of their consciousness? That is much, much worse than not really knowing the person and blanking them out of your consciousness, right? much worse somebody who knows he knows the person, knows what's happened and he makes a decision that he doesn't want to have anything to do he doesn't want to think about that person at all, doesn't want to be um, emotionally connected or affected by that person's life how do you do that? it's not such a simple thing you are an emotional person everybody has emotions you can't you can't um, legislate emotions what you can do is you can hide emotions you can do everything possible in your life to get rid of your emotions to somehow bypass your emotions that requires great strength and it's deliberate strength and it's very negative energy That's the type of thing that you have to do in order to completely ignore a situation that involves somebody that you know. He does everything within his power to obliterate that inner voice that is screaming at him, shouting at him. And it demands of him, of her to show the other person kindness because of the kindness that they've shown you if somebody's been kind to you you have a relationship with them and that's what a relationship is relationship is give and take you give and you take and they give and they take and suddenly they hit hard times and you make an active choice I don't want to have anything to do with that person it's not just active it's constantly active because that person's your friend, you've had a relationship with that person, you've done things with that person, and yet you are trying to blank that person out of your mind and out of your heart. That requires unbelievable dedication and devotion. Achzorius is what the Darsh Mardhah calls it. That is something which is incredibly powerful. It's possible. But most people, when they hear about a friend who's hit hard times or a friend with whom they've had a good relationship, they, they, they just want to keep in touch with them. They want to help them. They want to do whatever they can to facilitate an easier life for that person. It's not like the person who lives far away and is you know, undergoing a famine you know, in Ethiopia or there's, uh, you know, uh, um, going through difficulties because somebody in the family is very sick but you don't know that person so you may read about it in a newspaper or somebody who knows them has told you about it but you're not connected but if you're connected that's a totally different story and that's what Chazal are talking about that's what this piece about Chazal say what Ra'av or Shmuel says about it not being a new king but, Commander Loyod Klal, what is Chazal saying? Shapare have a dummy. He was as if, it was as if Commander Loyod Klal. It wasn't that he didn't know that person, he didn't know Yosef. Of course he knew Yosef, it's the same king. Uh, last week, Yosef was alive, he knew him very well. This week, he decided, somebody said to him, What about Joseph? Joseph who? I never heard of him. That required great strength. He was dedicated to eradicating Joseph from his psyche not just he didn't know he had to make as if he didn't know him at all if he'd never heard of him and he wasn't part of his life it was only through this that he was able to behave in such a dreadful manner towards the jewish people because he'd proactively erased joseph from his life. And it's only because he had this original positive relationship with Joseph and his family that he required this extra animosity and venom in order to relate to them differently after Joseph died when he chose, made an active choice, not to have anything more to do with Joseph or his family we have another explanation for the words in the posuk in relation to the para who should have known him because only last week he was still alive and he had a relationship with him so it doesn't actually mean he didn't know Joseph what it means is he didn't understand he didn't appreciate the story, the life story of Joseph because had he known Joseph had he understood the trajectory of joseph's life he would have behaved totally differently he would have known that his plan vis-a-vis the jewish people to destroy them was utterly futile and it was never going to work listen carefully to what the darash modcha says he would have thought carefully and delved more deeply and more meaningfully into Joseph's life story he would never have enslaved the B'nei the Jewish people he, he, what was he trying to do? he was trying to humiliate them to suppress them to reduce their number because they might increase and might overtake Egypt he forgot to think about the fact that this nation is not like other nations the jewish nation doesn't behave like other nations what happens to other nations when you suppress them undermine them disperse them humiliate them exterminate them. What happens to those nations? (nishparim) Nishbarim, they become broken. (nishparim) Ne'evodim, they become lost. (nishparim) Nekchodim, you can make them extinct. You can utterly obliterate a nation by having that attitude towards them. And it's happened countless times to countless nations that have been obliterated by one empire after another that's overtaken them, undermined them, destroyed them, genocide, whatever it is. The Jewish people, it hasn't worked. It will not work. And who is the exemplar that demonstrates that particular aspect of the Jewish character? None other than Yosef HaTzadik, than Joseph. Amzer, this nation. Do you know what happens when you put them through pain and suffering? It increases them. It makes them greater. It, um, it strengthens it. it. elevates it to levels that it has never known and never seen. What happened to Yosef atzadik? And he becomes the poster child for this idea. Yosef atzadik was sold by his own brothers, into slavery, to Egypt, that's it, game over. Joseph is done. Sold into slavery, and even worse, he's thrown into jail. He was put through an incredible test with Eshes Poitifar and through it all whatever he was put through whatever challenge was put his way what happened to him from these problems and from these challenges he emerges from jail pure whole wholesome self-confident and he becomes the ruler the viceroy of Egypt. He becomes the one who's in charge of every aspect of the land of Egypt, of the Egyptian empire. He even moves populations from one area to another, does with him whatever he wants. This former slave, this person who one could have written off when he was sold into slavery, Becomes the mightiest man on the planet. That's Yosef HaTzadik. Shalit Muchlat HaKol He is the absolute ruler. The person with the most power over Egypt, over all of Egypt. Why did it happen? It happened because of the terrible tests and challenges and difficulties that he endured and had to go through. Remember Yosef, Joseph is the poster child, he's just the example. If we know about Joseph, we know about the Jewish people. <speaking in Hebrew> this is a nation that knows, this is a possum from Tehillim. We say it, Anisoni <speaking> <Hebrew> means we are tormented, David HaMelech is speaking about the fact that we are tormented tormented, we are tortured, but do you know what? the torture, the torment that will be my salvation do you know what the gateway is? to every kind of success story to any possible success that you have in your life it's the difficulties and the challenges no pain no gain anisoni vatehi lishua. what comes next Ze hashar lashem tzadikim yovoyuvoy this is the gateway of god to god and the righteous will come into it will come through it anisoni vatehi lilishua zehashar lashem tzadikim yovoyuvoy mahu what is the gateway through which tzadikim the righteous, will go through? It is the gateway of, you see, I went through every challenge, I was tortured and I was tormented. The pain, the suffering and the difficulties, that is the gateway into everything that's good and to every blessing p'sukim eilu ha-melech. these psukim were said were uttered and recorded by king david Shahoyon you know what david was someone who was pursued throughout his life he is similar to yosef they are almost mirror images of each other they went through so many tests throughout their lives, and every single step of the way, they might have failed, and yet, like a phoenix out of the ashes, they came up. They succeeded because of those challenges. They became the examples of what it means. Ani soni lishua hu hayamuchzik kosher. The beginning, we're told. That he was considered by his brothers to be, um, having, having been born not out of, an, uh, of an, uh, an appropriate relationship. They thought he was a mamzer. They thought he was a halachic bastard. That's the way his brothers, he was one of seven and he was considered the outsider. He was considered impure, not of pure seed. And we know he had many different tzoras afterwards even though he was chosen to be the king because of his incredible success on the battlefield against the giant Goliath. Shaul HaMelech became fearful that he was trying to replace him and chased him and gave him incredible difficulties until Shaul himself died in battle. And David became the king. Shmuel had appointed him to be the king, anointed him. But even then, his difficulties were not over. His own children rose up against him. He was dealing with crisis after difficulty and jumping over every hurdle and potentially falling into every pit and there david hamelech says the difficulties that's what made him resilient and that's ultimately what brought him success the kach david hamelech and that's exactly how david hamelech continues soni what, what does it say then before it gets to the hashem tzadikim yovai v'ai. the, the zashar hashem tzadikim yovai vay comes before oidcha but what comes after oidcha ki anisoni the next pasuk is even mo what is what is that pasuk by the way it's a pasuk that the commentary struggle with here you're going to hear a parish a pshat from the darsh Madcha. The Rabbanu Chadruc, even the stone Maasu Abaynim that was rejected by the builders, even Mas,' He's talking about himself. Even Maasu Abaynim. What happened to that? Even Mashiachai, Achai My brothers, the sons of my father, hated me, rejected me. Treated me badly. The savrus ani They believed that I was a mamzer bastard. Haysa That's exactly what developed me, me into becoming the main foundation stone, the cornerstone of the Jewish people. Even mu'asu asu hoisa Haysa pina. Mimeno gadalti Even through the difficulties that I experienced I became a stone that was special and that was precious. "Why is it that we need to get to go through Zoros and difficulties in order to achieve the greatness that is ultimately our destiny?" I don't understand he says. I've got no idea. That's something that comes from Hashem. niflos It's a wonder in my eyes, in our eyes. We have no idea why God puts us through these difficulties in order to achieve that which... Why can't it just be, I'm going to be the king and it's all going to be easy for me. Why can't it just be that everything is going to go well why can't the jewish people be successful without having to endure all the persecutions and difficulties that we have undergone over several millennia of our history that is a wonder in our eyes it's a fact and it's a fact that we simply do not understand you know what Says the Darish what, what happened, the story of Joseph and his brothers? It was, we've dealt with it in the past few weeks. Joseph encounters his brothers, and uh, it's Parashat Miketz and they come in front of him, and he says to them, You are spies. You are spies. You're terrible people. You've come here to spy the land. I know that you are evil. What did the brothers do? He <inaudible> said, Lots of questions why would he think we're spies what did we do did we put on the wrong clothes did we speak in the wrong way did you find something in the way that we were speaking to him that indicated to him that we're spies and we, we know we're not spies but why would he have thought that we're spies <speaking in> his <Hebrew> why what was the cause what happened that this terrible thing has happened to us what was the underlying cause they had no idea and they're looking at each other and they're talking to each other and they're trying to work it out and it's a mystery to them franz kafka has this book called the trial about somebody who's arrested and we're never told why he's arrested and the person himself has no idea and he goes to trial and he's in prison he's going through every different at no stage can he understand what it is what why he's undergoing this process why he's been arrested and it's a Kafkaesque moment when the ten brothers are confronted by the accusation that they are spies who are spying on the land of Egypt. What are you talking about? Why are we going through this? What happens then? is Much later on, it's the beginning of Parshas Vayigash. Yosef breaks down in front of his brothers. And he says, Ani Yosef, two words. That's all he says. Ani Yosef, bishnei milim, hem hevinu lemafreas kol mash With these two words, suddenly it unlocked all the information that they needed in order to answer the question, or the many questions that they had, about why they were going through this terrible difficulty. They had no idea why they were going through it. Ani Yosef, Aha now we understand now we get it the kach oma hachofetzchaim zatzah the chofetzchaim b'bisrael mehekegen that's what he says yeh gam osid lovoi that's also going to be ultimately at the end of time when mashiach comes that's the way it's going to be yeishlonu kush the bethiyos rabbis. we have questions and we have many many questions endless Countless questions about everything that the Jewish people has had to endure over thousands of years. And there's many things that we simply do not understand. We have no idea why we've gone through them, and we cannot make them out. We cannot fathom them, fathom them, and we really do not know what's going on. But the end of days, when Moshiach comes. Kasha Kodesh is Galer when God will be fully revealed. Do you know what he's going to say to us? Ani Hashem. I am God. Remember, Ani Yosef. Ani Hashem. I am God. Two words. At that stage, the Ani Hashem, those two words, will answer every question that we have and that we have ever had about the Jewish situation, about the situation that the Jews have had to endure. There are those who interpret the following Pasuk. You know there's a Pasuk in Tehillim. Right. The, the, the question that the uh, Goyim ask is, where's their God? They don't see the God. They don't know it. It doesn't exist. It's some ephemeral idea. That we have this monotheistic God, whereas the Goyim who worship Avodah Zorah, they have these physical, um, you know, whatever it is, constructs, you know, it can be an idol, it can be whatever it is. It can be that they worship the sun, the moon, the stars, they can worship rain, they can worship a mountain, they can worship whatever, an effigy. They have something physical. Goyim the Pasuk says V'lomah Yomrah HaGoyim actually that opening phrase V'lomah Yomrah HaGoyim this we can say in a kind of half-jokey way, it's a Pshat, that's Drush the ultimate degree "Lama Yomrah HaGoyim shalama Al Hashem the questions of "lama" of why God behaves in a particular way Yomrah HaGoyim that's something that the nations say that's something that non believers say. They come up with questions about God. Loma yoim ruhagoyim, rachagoyim shoyalim. Avoyeshroel om ha'om shekocha loi. There we have a different posuk. Ashre ha'om, happy is the nation. Shekocha loi. That however it is, that's the way it is, and that's the way it needs to be. Ain she'eloi salashemis barach loma. There's no questions of Loma, Loma yom rohagoyim, ashe ha'am shekocha loy kocha hashem. This is what God wants. Hey vadatom la'avim They completely dismiss any questions that they have, and they're willing to suppress any doubts that they may harbor because they believe in Hashem completely and totally. That's the first piece from the Dorash Modre which I wanted to share with you. But now I want to share one more beautiful piece. B'nai Levi the Mitzray About the tribe of Levi, you know that we know that the tribe of Levi were never enslaved. They all, they were, of all the tribes that were in Egypt, the tribe of Levi was never enslaved and they continued to function. I don't know what they did. They didn't have to build the pyramids. They did, weren't worked by taskmasters they were never incarcerated, they were never treated the way and, and some of aforeshem say that this was a strategy of divide and conquer and it didn't work one of the reasons why Moshe is chosen as the leader is because a leader from the tribe of Levi to show that the way you treated the other Jewish people hasn't disunited us hasn't succeeded in separating the Jewish people apart that there's a Levi on one side and the rest of the Jewish people on the other on the contrary there's a sense of responsibility and a duty that Moshe Rabbeinu has for the rest of the Jewish nation. But we know that Shevet Levi, the tribe of Levi, were not enslaved in the same way as the rest of the Jewish people, the rest of the Israelites in Egypt. Says the Doresh Mordcha Lifnei Shonim, some years ago, Sha'al Beni, B'ni he asked me an incredible question. What's the question? Why is it that Shevit Levi were not enslaved in Egypt? They never went through all the difficulties and challenges of people who were enslaved and made to do hard labor. Are they not descendants of Avraham Avinu? We know that the prophecy said very clearly, they're all the descendants of Avram Avinu, V'inu Aisam, they're going to go through pain and suffering, and V'avodim, and they'll all be enslaved. And the Shevet Levi, we're told, were not enslaved. So why weren't they enslaved? Why, why is there this differentiation? Why somehow it seems to subvert the prophecy? The prophecy should have included them and doesn't seem to include them. His lo'i, so the Darshmatra says, I answered him, I'll pidragan Rabyakov Zatzal. He said, I saw the piece, and by the way, the piece is, is already presented to us slightly before the the uh, uh, the part that I'm reading right now. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky says as follows Shabne Levi hoyu Goy Shem Veloy Nidbukuba Tumasa Oretz. So the Shevet Levi were different than the rest of the Jewish nation. They never really fraternised with the Egyptians. They never went out of their Dalad Amas, of their particular neighbourhoods. They never adopted Egyptian customs and styles and ideas and ideals. They kept themselves to themselves. They remained in Eretz-Goshen. That's where they lived. And therefore, they weren't brought down, they never became connected to the impurities of the land. They never worshipped Avodah We know that the Jewish people somehow got drawn into the pagan worship of the Egyptians. They remained, they retained their earlier sanctity, their sacred approach, their holiness the holiness that they had always characterized, Shevet Levi remained at that level. So what is the slavery for them? Do you know what it was? The very fact that they had to live in Egypt, in a country that was the most immoral country ever, totally swamped by pagan worship and by immoral ideas and ideals even they had nothing to do with it never adopted any of it the mere fact that they lived in that terrible place that was their slavery that was their exile that was the pain and suffering that they had to go through that they had to live in such a country that they had to live surrounded ...by such people and in such a place. And that is how they actually went through the Golas... ...and that was the Golas for them. Their experience of Golas, of exile... ...was merely living in a country like Mitzrayim. Not building pyramids and having to go through labor camps... ...but living in that country... In whatever situation they were in, was the the inu Anyway, B'ni, So this is what the Darsh says. He's telling the story here. Yes, my son, his name is Rabbi Yisrael. He went. He told this Dvar Torah to Rabdavid David Cohen. Who's Reb David Cohen? Rosh is the He's Rosh Hashiva in Chever Yeshiva in He went. He told him this idea. And Rabdovid Cohen was delighted. What did he say? He said to his father, his father, by the way, is Rab Yosef Cohen. He was a very famous Dayan, head of a based in, in Jerusalem. And every year at the Seder he would ask the same question, and he never had a good answer. What was the question? He couldn't answer the question. His name was Cohen, right? Rabbi Yosef Cohen. And he says, we, koyanim. why? B'nei Shevet Levi, we're descended from the tribe of Levi. Why is it that we can say, How are we able to say these words? We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. Haloi b'nei Levi, lo'enishtabdu b'mitzrayim. We know that Bnei Levi were not enslaved in Egypt. We heard that, right? So you used to ask everybody at the Seder every year. Here we are sitting at the Seder. Matzai and Moro are in front of us. We're going through the whole Agoda and we're saying with all Kavona, Avadi Mayinu, L'Farai B'mitzrayim. We were once slaves in Egypt. No, we weren't. We weren't. And our ancestors weren't. So we're lying. How can we say Avadim Ayinu Lefarabem Eitzreim? Om Nam Lahanaul Micha. But with the answer that we've just heard, it makes a lot of sense. Bnei Levi Gam Haim Hishtabdu Bemitzreim. Even the Bnei Levi were enslaved in Egypt. Etsem Hashahiyah BaOretz Hazu Hamleya Zimak Shofim. Simply residing in this land that's full of Uh, idols and pagan worship and immorality it pained them and caused them excessive suffering the rest of the nation for whom it didn't create such a problem but tarbus is to mix into the culture of egypt that didn't bother them so much they were the ones who had to endure a much greater, much tougher form of slavery, namely the labor that they had to do, the building of Pisoim and Ramses that we read about in Parsha Shmois. And with this, the Doresh Mardcha wants to explain the fact that it says at the beginning about the Shavotim, They are coming to Egypt. Why are they coming to Egypt? That they are coming to Egypt. What do you mean they are coming to Egypt? They have long been in Egypt. They spent in Egypt many, many years, decades. Why does it say they are coming in the present tense? So what is the answer? The answer is In the present it should have said the ones that came in the past to Egypt, not the ones who are coming to Egypt, because they're not coming to Egypt. They've been in Egypt for a long time. The answer is that the 70 souls, the family, the immediate family of Yaakov, Avino, of Jacob, his sons, his immediate family, all of those 70 people, Every single moment that they were in Egypt, they felt harega ba'ul mitzrayim. Right now we came to Egypt. The same sense of not really wanting to be here. That they had felt that initial moment. They felt the next moment. A day later, a week later, a month later, a year later, and a decade later. It never changed. That tension, that discomfort that they felt right at the beginning, persisted throughout their time there, they were That's what they were. Tom bahavaki heim, right now, we arrived in Egypt. Ha-shibud and that's why the actual Shibud only began when that generation had passed away, passed on completely. In other words, the difficulties that we encounter in life have a correlation to the way that we relate to the things around us. If we have a sense that we're not quite in the right place and we aren't behaving in quite the way that we should be behaving, or we're mixing in company that we shouldn't be mixing in, or things are not quite right with the world around us, if we're not trying to adapt to the world but recognize that the world is just not in a good place, and it should be better. Then that will be the level level of suffering that we will have to endure. But if we adopt the practices of the Egypt around us, and we say no, that's correct, then if there's suffering that's due, that suffering going to come in a different way, and it's going to be going to be m- much more, in a physical sense, unpleasant, than simply suffering from the discomfort of being in a place which you don't feel is right for you. We'll leave it here for today. Thank you so much. Thank you.